Hi, and welcome to the Property Mom podcast. I'm Dalapo, and I'm on a mission to empower the next generation of property investors. I'm a wife, I'm a mother of two wonderful kids who are five and three, and I'm what you'd call a property entrepreneur. And if you're listening for the first time, thanks so much for choosing to listen to this. And my hope is that you learn something new every time you listen. And you will, because I've juggled the last few years between raising a family, property investing, developments, refurbs, rent to rent, and educating. So my love for property runs really deep. Today, I'm really, really excited to interview my guest, Camilla, who has completely dominated the space when it comes to service accommodation. She is the essay girl, as she calls herself, and she really bears all in this um, episode. Camilla is honest. She is forthright. She tells her, she tells it as it is, and she is totally passionate. So definitely enjoy, and I'll catch you on the other side of this podcast. Hi, Camilla. It's really exciting to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. So really, um, for the listeners, <laughs> I would like to know a bit more about how you got into property. Because, of course, we know you about, you know, you're kind of like the golden child of the, so in the in, at least in the progressive world, you know, that's how I got to know about you. And, um, you know, just following your journey and how you've evolved over the years, it's been really exciting to watch. And the fact that it was in sort of a way we could see you progress, that really, you know, that's really been exciting to watch for sure. So just to give a bit of context into how did you even get into it at all? Um, property, oh my goodness. So I actually started a property a long time ago. So in, in the progressive world and the social media world, I've probably been known for the last three years. Um, but I started 12 years ago. Um, so it wasn't a sort of quick hit for me. I have tried it and tested it. So started when I was 18 years old and it's going to sound really um, silly, but prop, uh, Homes Under the Hammer loved the show and I was like I can do it myself it's so easy look at what they're doing <laughs> so um it, that's how the dream started I mean my stepdad had a big construction company back in Poland so they built um this, these huge developments of houses but I was never allowed to be involved in that he was very he was a very private man so that was his business and he didn't want kids and women involved in that very old school so I knew that it could be possible then unfortunately circumstances back then meant that he had to fold the company back in Poland we moved to the UK and he started a building company where he was doing developing projects for property investors he was doing uh, barn conversions beautiful some kind of holiday let uh, properties and I've seen him do that but he never did anything for himself and it always really it was mind-boggling I thought why are you doing all this work for somebody else when you could do it yourself so working in a bank I was in working in a bank from 17 at 18 years old um, I got I didn't have money for a deposit and I didn't understand the world of property investment back then. So I didn't know that you could find investors and find the cash somehow. So I was trying to figure out in my head a way to make that money. Um, so back then I was in finance and um, 2000, 2008. Um, so around the time when Lloyd's joined with, um, who did they join with? Halifax. The, there was a big crash in share prices and everyone in the bank back then was talking about buying shares. So 
I was always an avid, I'm always, I'm a very good listener. So I listen to what people say. I kind of take note and I do my own research. Um, so I've heard people talk about Barclays shares where they dipped and people were saying you should buy. But the thing is, nobody around me was doing it. They're all talking about it. They weren't doing it. But we all saw Barclays shares go down, recover really quickly. And everyone was saying, oh, if I bought it, I would have made so much money. But they didn't. Then it was something else. And nobody actually bought the shares. And then Lloyd's, who I worked for, our shares dipped significantly. And I knew that I would recover. So being a probably a bit of a stupid, naive 18-year-old, which helped, I'm not going to lie. Um, I went to a friend of mine. I said, do me a, a loan. So working for the bank, we got special rates, etc. So at 18 years old, I got £25,000 loan. I put that money into shares. I bought with all of that money, £25,000 of shares. <laughs> Wow. And I was like, well, this is great. I just created a share, a share account online, easy. And, um, and then it was the most stressful time of my life because if, if you invested in shares, you know that the price fluctuates so much. So I wasn't used to it. So I bought these shares thinking, yeah, I'm going to make loads of money. And a day later, I was £5,000 down. Yeah, and, exactly. And it's just like, what is going on? And I was Honestly, the next three months, I was watching the share price every day. I would be in meetings with my clients in the bank and I'd be just pressing refresh, refresh on screen. They couldn't see it, but I was just literally like refreshing it. And um, the price did come up and I panicked. I thought I need to get out whilst it's good. And I made, I think I made about £11,000 in three months. Wow. So my first house deposit. Okay. Um, <laughs> well done. And you know um, it's you, you, you tell that story because a lot of people do use stocks and shares to build up their initial cash deposits and then use that to then evolve into property. But the issue I've always had with stocks and shares is this fluctuation. And why, of course, that's why we all end up in properties because property is just a more stable um, asset to keep your funds. And just that you typically, if you wanted to buy a property, you need a lot more than, you know, if you were trying to buy a you know a portfolio of stocks so well done because it's funny because thank you so that was a start i know so because i have invested around that time but i definitely did not invest twenty five thousand. i was way too scared to be able to i needed to invest money that i could lose not money that would keep me awake for the next three months wow <laughs> that is impressive <laughs> it was i mean like i said naivety helped here massively because um I wouldn't, now I wouldn't do it. Do it. It's too, too risky knowing what I know. And yeah. um, so it kind of, and it was lucky that it worked. And I mean, the first house that I then bought with my ex-partner at the time um, was a repossession. So 2008, 2009 crash happened a lot of, which is, you know, what we're coming towards now. And um, that's when I bought my first house. It was a repossession. It was a very simple yeah. flip because I didn't know any other strategies and we wanted to live in it. I just, you know, we lived in it, done the work to it, sold it, started flipping. And that's, that's how my journey started. It's, it's amazing because actually it seems like our journey started almost exactly the same way. Oh, wow. Yes, because I also got in about that 2008, 2009, just because that was the time to get in. And there was a lot of stock on the market, which is different from now. Yeah. Where it's zero, like it's so difficult to find really good bargains. But then bargains were everywhere especially if you went to auctions like you said with homes under the hammer basically you know you walked in there and now when I think about the prices that I saw go properties go for 
you know, we're talking like prime central London was going for like, some properties were going for like 300,000, 400. These properties are untouchable right now, right? But that was because that was the time really to have been buying. So it's, it's, it's interesting to know your journey that you actually started off um, in, in that sort of space. Now, I'm interested to know how you then got into service accommodation because I suspect, I, I just want to know um, how you evolved into that. Yeah, so life went on. So I'm not going to go into all this story, but um, you know, doing the property initially was just a hobby. It was our aim was to get to our perfect house. We didn't have money. We didn't come from money, so we needed. So we thought our way to get to our dream house was to create equity in a property by flipping it. So kind of going gradually yeah. up. And then 2017, um, I was with my partner, um, the same person I've been buying this property with. Um, we've been together for 10 years. Two children later, etc. Got our dream home. Okay. Um, built up a property portfolio um, and I wasn't happy and mm-hmm. I've, I've kind of fought for, with myself for quite a number of years even before the children came um, I thought it's, why am I not happy he's a great guy we've got a great life together we're both ambitious we're both pushing towards you know striving towards the same mm-hmm. then the children came then you know we have children um, I can't give up on the families so I tried everything I could just to get these feet, just, just these thoughts out of my head mm. about wanting to end something that is so good. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's, you feel guilty for it. So in the end, I made a decision in 2017 to end our relationship. And um, unfortunately, what followed was, a, you know, with, with a break up, breakdown of relationship, you go for like a grieving process. So mm. sadness, anger, etc. And in the anger phase, um, we decided or he decided he wanted to sell our portfolio and our portfolio of property was, was purchased in the previous year and um, we've done the buy refurbish remortgage on a bunch of properties in wales okay. um, so, so whilst we've done that successfully selling them it's just so not much. a good idea yeah. they're yeah. one to be kept for 20 years exactly. um, it's, so we had lost about one hundred twenty thousand pounds in total a project's gone wrong those properties have lost us money so i was suddenly a single mum full-time midwife with so much debt that just it was crippling me and i needed to create income um so i knew property i've done different things in property i deal sourced a little bit and you know kind of tapped into investor funding bought and flipped etc done buy to lets but I needed, I didn't have the cash. I couldn't borrow any more money. My comp, my self-worth was like down somewhere, just yeah. non-existent. Um, I thought I needed to create income quickly with the least cash required. So then I was left with two strategies, rent to rent service accommodation or rent to rent HMO. Was, yeah. So I was between the two of them and I thought, well, in my area, probably SA is going to work better, service accommodation. And it kind of, I like the sound of it more. Um, so I did some courses, took my last credit card, paid for a couple of courses. I thought I need the information quickly so I can just yeah. get going. I don't have time to be Googling everything yeah. and spending time yeah. finding information that might not be accurate. Um, so I, I did exactly that. I, I did a rent-to-rent course. I did a service accommodation course. Whilst I was in a service accommodation course doing it, I was messaging landlords. And I had my first viewing the literally day after the course ended and I signed, taken on my first essay. And it was just one after another, after another, after another. I put it together with no money and hoping that it works because I just thought- What year was this? What year was this? That, that was 2017. That was October, 2017. 
Okay, so 2017 was a great year in terms of service accommodation. So I got into service accommodation off the back of um, getting into property refurbishing and needing cash flow. Yeah. And discovered that we could get short-term tenants into the property that would pay the mortgage so that we didn't leave the properties empty for the full duration where we were trying to sell because we're trying to flip the properties uh-huh. but of course like you realize flipping you know it's a good way to build cash but over time you want to evolve into buy refurbish refinance yeah. right but then i i just found i just locked into this sort of um strategy where you could rent a property and then re-rent it and i didn't even know there was a thing called rent to rent but you know when you're in it yes you know yeah your necessity is the mother of invention i knew i needed more cash because the projects were going on and I got cash strapped. So I needed a way to create cash, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, getting into service accommodation, I always say kind of saved my de- the, the development and refurbishment side of the business because it just brought in so much cash flow along those, along those years. So you getting in at, in 2017 and sort of building up uh, a portfolio of rent to rent that was a good time to have gotten in as opposed to imagine if you were just picking up your keys in December of 2019. Yes. And I mean, obviously the strategy has evolved and has grown over the the last few years. So there's a lot more people doing it now. When I started, um, there wasn't anybody on social media teaching SA. There wasn't anybody talking about it. My first live videos were one of the first live videos on the subject. Wow. So there just wasn't like now we look around and everybody's doing, you know, content and, um, and it seems like everybody's in, obviously that's not the case. It's just because we are in that space, yes. we're in that space, we see it a lot. If somebody's not in that space, they don't even know what it is. What it is. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And you know, and that's why you kind of had that meteoric success because you adopted, um, the social media element that a lot of us that were in that space kind of just shied away from. Do you know how many like requests I got to come on Homes Under the Hammer? I was like, please, please, please. And then like, you know, service accommodation, I didn't even know could be a thing, the whole rent to rent, you know? So when you think about how social media could have really taken my yeah. career to a different level, but then we were like, what, Facebook, please. <laughs> like, yeah. what is that's just for me to message my friends, you know? But then. Completely. Yeah. But I think like, I, I didn't understand it either. I mean, like it's quite sad but I used it as a um, as a way to get some support because of my circumstances and having gone through the breakup my family almost disowning me for for leaving the family you know breaking up family unit um nobody understood it and I just felt nobody understood me venturing into property either because we had just failed according to everybody we have just lost so much money everyone was like why would you get back into that you've just like killed yourself financially do you want to do it again um so it was just support and i just documented my journey and i could have never imagined they would have turned into what it is today wow so you actually went on and i guess that's why it was sincere because you were just trying to go on there to sort of share document your journey share your story and let people know you know look this is what you know you're trying to just build that community in a sense which is different kind of from maybe modern day where it's now becoming monetized. Do you understand where it's almost like a, you know, you're trying to do it so you can get the lead magnets and then get the, you know, where you really came from a genuine place. And that's what really um, kind of endeared you to so many people. I, I think that's, and it's, yeah. that's, that's why I used to get a little bit frustrated with my mentor. Um, Cause he always said, Oh, you knew what you, you were doing. You know, you, you know, you're more, you're more wise than that. You're more clever than that. And I thought, honest, honestly, 
Like none of this was some kind of big plan. There was no like, like I come having worked in sales when I was very young, I then changed into midwifery. I went into the NHS because I hated sales so much. So somebody to told to tell me that I have somehow envisaged this like sales craze. Yeah, like, sales, you know, yeah. just like it made me feel disgusting about myself. And I know it shouldn't be like that, but it's just not me. Yeah. Um, like I you said, know, it's funny because you've been in sales, you probably have the innate instinct. Do you understand? So even though, and that's why it works well, because you just knew to, you know, to go to social media, whatever it was, the channel. Yeah. But then, yeah, because that's then what endears you to people because you're not necessarily doing it as the primary motive. Yeah. But I'm sure somewhere in the back of your head, you know how it is where you just have that instinct anyway. Yeah. So it's going to work. It's going to, it's just going to turn into a sales machine yeah, anyway. Yeah. But anyway, go on. So it's, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. Like one of the things that I've been working on the most is actually that getting out of the mindset of this is a really bad thing. Um, like, you know, the, the wrong thing to do this, this selling and, you know, because service accommodation, I sell in service accommodation, you know, you sell it's accommodation. We sell it to our clients, contractors, etc. You sell it to the landlord where you want to get a deal and um, so property it's sales like everything is so it's just it's escaping that mindset of like it's a negative thing and thinking the way that it works for me is like I put a lot of content out there and I think well doing that I feel like I'm doing a good thing because it's not just that somebody has to come to me and pay me for to get any information I will help them out of my good heart and you know just just to kind of give them the direction but different people need different things so somebody may need more support I want to really crack down and and then they're going to work with me and pay for my services. Other people may just need a little bit of info to direct them and they're going to crack on themselves. And again, there isn't a right or a wrong. So it kind of makes me feel better about the whole thing that I'm giving a lot without asking for, for things back for it. So that's how I settle things in my head. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, and that's fine because like you said, they're different people. Some people will want to work with you directly and then you can, turn around and charge them service the same way you charge people for your service accommodation as yeah. a service so it's it's just understanding that it's you're giving value and you're getting paid for it so and I think most people understand that anyway well yeah so um not wanting to veer too much um from your original um uh, sort of story but you know you did mention about your mentor and it's a bit surprising given everything that, you know, it kind of, you know, because I know you did a, an event where you kind of did a sort of semi-tell, not really tell all, but you just kind of made the announcement and everybody was really surprised about that. Yeah. So, um, so I'm interested to know, how did you, how did you start on the journey in Progressive anyway? Because, um, yeah, I'm quite interested in that as well. Progressive, I mean, I don't have a bad word to say about Progressive. So when it comes to the Rob Moore situation, that's, I, you know, I'd like people to know that that's uh, the, the issue there is the, the personal issue mm. between me and him and then how him and his business partner have treated me as their business partner and as their client after. When it comes to Progressive as an institution, as a company and people who work for all the trainers, all the guys in the office, they have been amazing to me and yeah. I'm forever grateful for what they've done because I found Progressive in 2017 when I broke up with my ex-partner and um, actually he encouraged me to go to Misopi, which is a free event just yeah. to get my, my spirit back up because I was so down in the dumps that um, he just said, you need to be around people who are like-minded. We've done property education before, so he knew what it was like. 
Um, so that's how it started, 2017. I think August 2017, I came to my first Masopi. I paid for a couple of courses and I started my journey with them. And in the first year, I only did two courses, service accommodation, rent to rent. And I just focused on that. And I used the community, yeah. um, the Facebook community to share my journey because it was a closed group. Because um, I was a midwife in the NHS, we're not allowed to share and privately because you you know you're a professional you have mm -hmm. to be respectful you have to protect the nhs's interest and your life is really all about your job so i couldn't share anything about my property journey or how i was feeling there so i chose the closed group so people wouldn't see it so and inversely that group so and progressive around the time so i started august 2017 and around um august 2018 so within my first year i've had quite a significant success and my social media presence was growing and rob Moore actually reached out to me um and i was working in these um he he was doing like a trial on social media trial where he took three people into the group and um we were commenting on his post to try and bump them up to see whether it worked so anyway that's how we got talking on a one-to-one -one basis and then he said he messaged me privately, said, you know, he thinks that I could do really amazing things. He would like to invite me to his um, kind of elite mentorship program, um, the ICME. And back then I didn't have a mentor. I've just done courses and I needed somebody because my business grew so fast. I'm good at starting things. I'm not great at maintaining them. So I was just terrified knowing myself that I'm just going to ruin it. Um, so I was looking for a mentor anyway, and um, he offered to take me into this group. I thought, oh my God, it sounds like something I'm not good enough for. But you know what they say, put yourself in a room full of people where you like the worst one. That's the worst, exactly. <laughs> so I was really excited and that's how the whole mentorship started. You know, I'm, I'm somebody that I will go out there and work. So if you told me go and do this, I went and did that. You went do it straight started my property education company and he encouraged me to do that. I, I didn't have plans to do that myself. Um, and my mentorship started and my other program started and then, you know, public speaking and everything else. Yeah. I was all him directing me that way. Um, and we developed a friendship. He, he was my best friend. Um, that's why this whole thing was so painful for me because I've lost not just the company who's been so good to me and everybody, all the trainers were my friends still are. Um, you know, people who work in the office or the people in marketing and sales and, and social media, who I know them or I used to be there all the time. Um, you know, I, I still, I, I love them. I still kind of really value them. ICME, which is my mastermind group. I, I still am friends with these people. But when I was removed from these groups, I just felt like that's all my support network, all the people who have, you know, who I love and have been there for me and I've been there for them, that they're, they're being taken away from me. Yeah. Um, and I, I lost my mentor because even though our, you know, the, our personal relationship didn't work out for whatever reason and that wasn't there and I didn't understand why everything else had to end how it ended. I really did not get it. Um, so I, I, it shook me up. I'm not going to lie. It shook me up and it really hurt me because I feel I haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. The reason why you had even started on this journey was to build that community and reach out and effectively over the past like three years you had done that so and within this um network of people so i guess it would it would hit home particularly for you it, it, it yeah it, it really did hurt and um like i said I, I just did not understand i just did not understand because if i had if i had done something wrong yeah. um, and I, I could understand but i i just did not understand and nothing 
was explained to me and there were numerous conversations between you know mark homer and myself because we we were business partners as well so from january this year um rob moore said he wants to go into business with me so i didn't want to be part of progress whilst i love progressive i was always very clear that i want to be my own person yeah my own brand so whilst i did so i became a social media trainer because i thought that's kind of different i wasn't yeah. ever planning to teach social media so I'm, i can be a social media trainer for them so that started and also um when it comes to service accommodation i thought i've got my own company my own brand i don't want to yeah have that taken away from me so they agreed to be my business partners but like silent partners so they were getting share from my company for my revenue okay. um, and they would give me the staffing and the accounts team etc and the expertise so they would help me to grow without their name being present anywhere so it was still all me but they would just give me the guidance on how to grow and develop so we started that in January so I got linked to them like I've never been linked before and mm -hmm it got to June, July, and literally all of that, they just dumped me like that never existed. And I've invested significant amount of money into the business partnership, Yeah, you know, time and effort. And it just, I just feel like there was no repercussions to their actions. They just felt that they could do whatever they want and treat me however way they want. And there'll be no consequences to their actions. Yeah. And didn't you have any sort of legal paperwork, you know, without wanting to go too deep into all of that? I guess you yeah. could always back to that. Yeah, we, we did because because of the we wanted to do it quickly. I didn't want to go into contracts. We had heads of terms that were signed. Um, so I've got all of that. You know, they um, so we kept it. I didn't want them in my company initially as shareholders. So what we did is um, they invoiced me every month for their share of um, of revenue. So I was paying them and the plan was after six months, they would become official directors in the company. Um, so there are things and um, I've got, I've got lawyers instructed to, to deal with the situation because there's a lot of other issues, but yeah. I've, I'm just scared to press that button. I'm one of these people that I don't like to cause, like, I don't want to hurt anybody. Like, I don't want to, yeah. it's just like, it's not, I feel like I have to find my corner because it's a lot of money that I've got that's owed to me uh, without you know, giving details, et cetera. And I want them to, I want there to be consequences. So I don't want somebody to feel like only because they're millionaires that they mm -hmm. can treat somebody else that way. Because what if what they did completely affected my business and I've got two children I've got to pay for. I haven't got a, a financial backup of millions like they have or I, you know, yeah partner who financially supports me like it's all on me so mm -hmm. when they do that something like that to me that could that could ruin me that could really yeah. affect me you know mentally it has and that's you know you have to deal with the effects of dealing with some something like that because again I'm the one who has to work to you know to earn to continue growing my business etc to look after my stuff and if I'm not well yeah. then I have a problem um, so I do feel like I have to go forward with that case but there's part of me that feels like there has to be an amicable, not amicable, but there has to be a way you can arbitrate to get to the middle yeah. ground. But the thing is, I, I tried and we tried that for months. And um, the problem was, so was, without giving too much detail, it was me and Mark Homer communicating and putting something together. And I thought it was all good. Um, and the problem was that the other party, Rob Moore, was still trying to get involved when he wasn't meant to. Um, mm. And I think Mark got fed up with it. Uh, so I got produced with a legal letter.
um, at that point. And it's just all the work that we've done of meeting up, yeah. trying to have things amicable and resolved. And I thought it was going to be working. It was completely ruined because there was just lies. There was just, you know, so yeah um, with, again i can't say too much yeah, but I, I had to yeah. keep, I, I had to keep record of conversations and messages being sent to me just in case and i would not normally ever show them to anybody but i had to go to his business partner and show him just to say hey this is happening and yeah. it needs to it needs to end and you know being the person in the middle you must feel just it must must have been really difficult so i it's part of me that understands but then i feel like you can't treat somebody that way yeah yeah so all the best i really hope that you're able to resolve everything especially because this year is already a tough year as you th as you can imagine you know if you think about service accommodation how you know like we were saying such a strong strategy and then we come into this year and then the lockdown happens now for you camilla i must say you there was a time where it was a really dark time for me with this service accommodation because imagine it was very much my second strategy for building income so, you know, thankfully we have the rent, but if you think about it, it was quite a strong income generating, you know, you know, the margin, especially if you're like, yeah. you know, central to zone two, you know, you rent the property, good margins. And we were just coming into like Easter where the season was about to pick up. And I remember, I don't know what it was that took me to Facebook because I hardly ever kind of go on Facebook like that. But then I saw a post that you did where you were talking about calling all of the NHS, you know, and you, I think it was your mom or something. And you said, you know, just be out there. And I, and I, and for the first time it occurred to me that, you know, why would you be in a business where you've been successful in it and ridden the good times and then you're in the bad times and then you feel like, you know what, this doesn't work. No, you should, you know, and that, that glimmer of hope, you know, in the end made me think, you know what, why not just do that extra bit to try and salvage instead of just kind of like throwing, it's like a business has done well for you, you know, make it happen. And I just thought about, I remember at the time I was thinking about you, like, if she can do it, I can make the calls. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, but lockdown, I mean, it was scary for everybody and hospitality businesses were the worst affected. Mm -hmm. Like about it, the service accommodation was the property strategy, the most affected in a lockdown with COVID. And it was scary. I've never experienced anything like that. Nobody ever has. You, you couldn't prepare for this. Um, so it was just working, just trying to think how could we feel legally fill these houses because we were restricted. We couldn't take leisure. We couldn't take mm -hmm. anything normal. So you had to think what's allowed to happen. And um, I, did, I did think, you know, I don't know how long this is going to last because I didn't expect there'll be any government help, anything like that. I thought my business may go down, but I'm not going down without a fight. And yeah. also all the people that I mentor and I help to get into the business, do they want to be left alone now when, when it's really bad? And that's what I saw with the property trainers, all the property trainers who are out there all the time on social media, come in, come into SA is the best strategy. They, were, they just disappeared. They just went silent. And I just thought how awful that must feel for people who have invested significant amounts of money and are in this business and are now terrified because they don't know how to deal, how to get through, how to survive. And I saw people shutting down units without second thought. And I thought, all this work you put into this business, you can't just give up on it. Like, at least you've got to try to make it work. And if we fail, if it crushes us, we'll get up again and go. But we have to try. So uh, it, it was a good way for me to give back and also to, to feel like I'm helping and doing something. Because there's parts of you that feel like, you know, I help people to get into this business and now this happened. I know it's not my fault, 
but it's like you know you feel for them because responsibility the stress that they're going through and you know financial the worries etc everyone's got families and mm. it's not just like a thing it's like people's lives are affected through this and um, so i thought i have to i was more focused to be fair on trying to help others to to get through this because i know i can pick myself back up because i've done it many times yes. but not everyone yes yeah so um that was my focus my prime focus just just doing that and it worked and it's it's amazing to see we've come through it and people who work with me have actually grown their businesses through covid and yeah. i mean we were we had a mastermind um a few weeks ago and they said they thought they'll never say that but the covid helped their business yes yeah just, wow. like wow like you would never say that and it makes you feel really good that you didn't give up because a lot of people did yeah indeed a lot and you know it is the way business is right some people the, the, the people who stay on and the people who that have that tenacity are the ones that are gonna come through and because as it turned out you know you could get good deals during the lockdown yeah. right so if you had that sort of ability to take risks and i think if you're coming into it fresh you you have that you know mindset of I can take a bit of a risk here since people are dropping units anyway. Once the demand for service accommodation comes back, then I will be in a good position to get, you know, a, a few bookings through. So the margins may not be as much, but mm -hmm. definitely the bookings have been coming through for sure. So thankfully for that. But anyway, so now let's go back to you as a person. You know, we've talked about, uh, you know, your, your time in property, but, you know, just it's been nice to know a bit more about you and, you know, you talk a bit about how you grew up and all of that. So what is your biggest motivation? You know, like, what is it that makes you wake up in the morning and say, I want to do this, you know, I've had some setbacks, but I want to, you know, I want to still go out and you know, make something for myself. What is that motivation? Um, I don't know what it is, whether it's a, it's a need. I do have a need to constantly prove myself to myself. Yes. Um, that I am good enough. I, I'm, you know, I'm not the most intelligent person out there. I'm not the richest person out there. I'm not the most beautiful person out there, but I know that I'm really hardworking. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I know for myself that like I can work hard. So I need to, I kind of want to, and I want now is different to what it was because now I have the children and that changes. I think when you, when you have children, it changes you. Yeah. Um, because I want my children to be able to see that you can do anything that you want. If you just work for it, that you can be any, anything that you want to become, if you just put your mind to it. And I kind of, from, from early years, um, I tried a bit of journalism and I did quite well. And I got into circles that, you know, I didn't think it would be possible to enter at such young age and, did well within my midwifery job, did well in, well in banking, and th they're completely different things. And the yeah. only thing that there is in common with all of this is just the, the graph, the sheer determination and focus. And mm -hmm. I just I just constantly want to, I, I was talking to my partner about this and um, we have a conversation. I said, I don't want to be a loser. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I just don't want to be a loser. I don't want to be disappointed with myself. I don't want to be disappointed with myself. I think that's the biggest thing. So success really inspires me. It's not, it's not, I mean, money's great. Of course, we all want money. It gives us, um, you know, opportunities and things and choices, but it's not, it's never been about that for me. It's, it's the success. It's the feeling like I've achieved something. It's feeling like I'm worthy. And, you know, maybe there's part of me that, something needs fixing there but that pushes me um, 
I don't think you need to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you know, sixty-five or something, where you need to now slow down and just turn it off, yeah. just ride on it. <laughs> well, I think that's what it is. Some people can be content with themselves, and I think yeah. I'm never content. I'm just, yeah. and I've always been like that. If you ask my mother, she said, you know, since young young age, that I've always been like that. And she always used to say to me, "Why can't you just be happy with what you've got?" Why can't you just, this is a great, why would you risk messing it up? And it's this, this pursuit of success that, that drives me. That drives you. And then you've mentioned your kids a few times. Now, how have you juggled being a mom with your journey? Because service accommodation can be quite grueling, especially when you start out, right? So how have you combined, you know, taking care of the kids? Because how old are your kids now? Um, so I've got twin girls there, be seven in November. So, wow. so yeah. they were really young when you, they would have been like four. Yeah, three, four. Yeah. Three, four. Wow, that's a tough age to have twins. <laughs> They're very much in the toddler, mommy, mommy, mommy stage. So how did you um, cope with, with, with the two of them, especially when you're starting out in property and you had the kids? Um, I think for me, my kids are always just involved in what I do. I'm not somebody to separate my business, my work, whatever I do, friends from my children. My children are my life. and my life's open to them and they see everything so they would come with me on viewings they would come with me on property setup days they would be playing with boxes whilst I'm you know trying to get these essays going like even now when I do webinars videos at night that you can see them in the background they're always around (laughs) I don't like I don't shut them off it's just you know sometimes I'll be doing like a video and they run in and I just go can you please go away? <laughs> <I'm> working. <laughs> and then, so I just, and I thought, well, I didn't have choice because I didn't have anybody to, to look after them. Mm-hmm. They had to come with me and don't get me wrong. There are parts of me that I felt guilty because they didn't find it exciting. You know, they're at that age, even now they, it's not fun for them. I go, yeah. oh, I'm going to see the house. I go, oh, not again. Oh, <laughs> No, it's not like it's exciting entrepreneurial children they hate it Um, (laughs) but um I I just I just did I thought I have to do it I don't have choice I have to do it I'll try not to think about it I mean I had moments I remember one time that really shook me up um I went to view property direct with vendor for an essay and they didn't want to come in with me so I left them in the car just outside um so I can see them through the window on their iPads um so pretty happy and I was probably a little bit longer than I expected because the conversation was going quite well it was probably about 20 minutes I kept checking and you know they looked fine and I walked into the car when I finished and they were crying their eyes out Aww. and they were so upset and he's like mommy why do you have why do you have to keep leaving us why do you why do you have to keep going to these houses we don't really don't like it <laughs> and I sat in a car and I just cried and cried and cried and actually that was the moment where I thought I need to start systemizing Yes. I need to start systemizing and leveraging because I was still in the business very much. And I thought, it's not, you know, I'm doing this for my children and this is what it's doing to us. Exactly. Yeah. I said, well, it, there's sacrifice, but I need to start being clever about this. So it actually made me systemize my business. Fantastic. Because, you know, I think that's the problem that every entrepreneur has, especially when you can get away with doing everything. And you know, you're hardworking. I think sometimes being lazy actually helps you systemize. Yes. It's like, you know what? There's no way. I know people that are like, there's no way I'm going to that house. So I need to get somebody who's going to be doing that, right? Yeah. But when you're hardworking, and this is the problem I faced as well, where, you know, you can just get on with it. Who has time to be raising somebody else? It takes so long to get somebody up to speed. I can just have done it in five minutes myself. Yeah. 
but no systemizing is so important and it's, it's funny that you had it's almost like your kids gave you the signal you needed to then make the shift in your business exactly. and that's really good to hear because in a way the kids really have a way of you know making you think because I've had that conversation with myself and I know it is stemmed from mom guilt but mm -hmm. in a way that mom guilt makes you prioritize what it is you're doing if you're working so hard but then you're sacrificing the exact thing that you're happy to give a corporate job to spend time with your family but then you know you know stuck in this sort of work where you're working 80 hours you're you know you don't have time you're stressed out I'm working all the time it's like what yeah. are we doing Exactly. So yeah, it, it's good that, you know, <laughs> it brought you to that decision. And, um, and then of course, you know, what is the advice, you know, before we started the podcast, we were talking about how some people feel like you need a lot of money to get into property. And I'm hoping that by now people understand that you don't. Mm -hmm. So um, for somebody who's going in now, you know, with everything that's going on, there's a lot of buzz about property right now. And people are thinking about this as an option. Now, what is your advice for somebody who's looking to step into the property space right now? So I think understanding what you need from property right now and then later on is, is important. So, because there are so many strategies and when you're somebody new to property, it's very easy to get distracted by this shiny penny syndrome, we call it. Yeah, so you just like, this sounds amazing and this sounds even better and people are doing, people are doing well in every strategy. So it's not yeah. about that one is successful and other is not, just knowing where you are, what what access to funds you have, what your credit ratings like, time scales that you need to create that money. Do you need a lump sum of cash or do you need income? Um, your area as well. So for me, yes. rent of service accommodation, the quickest way to create income on a monthly basis with the least investment. Um, and I think if that's what you need, if you need monthly income with little cash investment, then I still do think. Yeah, service accommodation strategy to go for and there's a lot of people even for the covid that are setting up and are successful yes. through what's going on with you know there is an element of added risk that things could happen that could limit us again but you just yes. got to accept that and if that happens you've got to kind of get through it um if you know if you want to be creating asset-based portfolio and you win a long game which mm -hmm. then buying property of course so i think buy refurbish refinance strategy yeah that we mentioned earlier i think personally that right now there's the one to be looking for because whilst the market is crazy this moment with you know overpriced houses you know people are paying way too much money way too much it's it's, it's like it's ridiculous but it's, it's what you yeah. see in the market don't you is uh is this artificial inflation before the yeah. bubble burst and everything goes yes. down yeah everything goes down yeah we saw this in 2005 2006 just before 2007, 2008. Absolutely. So if, you know, so right now, if, it, if a deal is a deal, is still worth buying. And I'm still, you know, looking for, for deals. It's harder, to, a lot harder to find them. Okay. If not, and I think becoming, getting liquid or creating cash mm -hmm. is important. So lining up investors, so creating your social media presence and building up your credibility and viewing a lot of properties and learning as much as you can. So maybe investing in education prior to taking action so when these prices drop you already have investors lined up who you can then go and you know use their money to buy that property rather than going oh the prices have dropped but how do i find them out exactly exactly so it's this like it's, it's sometimes it's like get started now um so start now get perfect later and sometimes you've got to switch it around sometimes you've got to get perfect now and start later <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> 
So you start perfecting strategy, understand what you need to do, start building up your profile. And that's what I've been telling because I got into mentorship as well, lockdown, because now I have all this free time. It's like, what do I do with this time? And I found that it's funny. You think you're helping people, but it turns out that they are actually helping you because they're helping you really rethink your strategies. So, so yeah, so very much get the education, get an understanding of what it is you're doing. And then from that, um, you know, you can launch out once the month because really you know i've been talking about this whole thing with the markets at some point everything needs is going to you know conclude Mm -hmm. you know so you know where will you be at that point will you be you know will you have set up yourself so you have investors lined up or will you just be trying to start out and grappling to try and something happen so yeah why would you want why wouldn't you want to learn now and you know get support from a mentor like yourself and you know to to be ready so when that happens you literally take an action how much yeah. quicker are you going to be in achieving that success than waiting, yeah. waiting, waiting, not doing anything? Oh, now it's happening and everybody else is snapping up these deals and opportunities because you weren't prepared. Yes, indeed. So thank you, Camilla. It's been amazing talking to you. You, you know, this is one of the reasons why I looked forward to this uh, podcast because somebody, somebody that follows you really, I, I did, uh, someone that follows you quite, um, showing here said, oh, she's so honest. She's going to bear all. She's, you know, she just, she just he just, he just loves you. <laughs> so he's like, she's just, she's, she's going to be really good. So, you know, it's been really good and really enjoyable speaking with you. And, you know, um, what are your, big plans for the future what what do you see yourself achieving going forward well so um my plan is so i i love people so the the covid situation has knocked me a little bit because i was planning to start running bigger events and get into the event space a lot more um because i've only been running very small mastermind sessions etc one-to-one um so I still want to do that. I want to, I'm all about experience. So I'm not kind of same as everybody else. I want to create something special and more experience based community kind of feel based. Um, so that's the plan. I want to grow my training business when times are right. Um, mm-hmm. Continue supporting others. Um, I do want to get into hospitality business in a different way as well. So SA will always be my strategy. I started purchasing and, um, and we're currently developing um, like a mini apart hotel. So a boutique apart hotel. So before apartments in one block, uh, but designed specifically for SA. And we're able to completely create it how, how I like it. So it'd be really quirky, a bit out there, different. Um, and as my entry into the real world of hospitality um, owning. So I do want to grow a brand and a name in that sector um, long term and continue with my property because I love doing what I do by refurbish refinance these yeah. uh, hotels is, is bought using that strategy exactly Fantastic. um so that's that's the plan is pretty simple <laughs> and I love that Camilla I was just in my mind I was thinking it's, it's amazing that you've picked your strategy and that's it you know not running after HMOs because I also you know how it is I just find that people tend to gravitate either to the HMO or to the service accommodation and the lockdown made people really reevaluate their service accommodation strategy and think maybe I should have a whole portfolio of HMOs that bring in steady income but at the end of the day you know with service accommodation if you are a service accommodation person then you weather the storms or you build from it and I like the idea of the apart hotel and sort of them building up a brand you know and you're still in that space you're still in that hospitality space and hospitality will come back mm-hmm. so you know you're poising yourself well well done and I love your your, your single-mindedness right because 
Yeah. So, and it's funny because by refurbish refinance plus service accommodation is like the magic formula personally. It is. It is. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say it's not like the only strategy I do, I do buy to let and um, okay. just doing a HMO as well, but it's not my focus. It's not my focus. So it's like, you know, when they teach diversify your incomes and protect yeah. yourself. So yeah. that's exactly it. But that's, that's my big love. And that's, that's where my brand, and I think focusing your brand on one thing yes. is going to be so much more powerful. So yeah. that's, that's why I keep my focus there and see what happens. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure good things will happen. And so just to wrap it up, um, I love to ask this question of moms. Um, so I know the lockdown was a tough time for lots of people. And especially if you didn't, whether you had help or not, lots of people didn't have help. So you kind of had to get on with it. And um, so I always ask the question, what did you learn from your kids during the lockdown that apply to your business or at least apply to life? Um, that's an interesting one because whilst I first hated the idea of lockdown, I actually ended up really missing it because um, I got to spend a lot of time with my children and quality time that maybe I didn't appreciate before how important it was. Mm -hmm. So uh, what I've learned from them is that they don't care about money. Well, of course they want toys and everything, so you need it. But yeah. what they really care about is spending time with you and just being around you and the quality. Um, yeah. So that's what gives them the real happiness. It's, it's, you know, doing that. So it made me appreciate that more. And post lockdown right now, um, I can, my diary is completely different. So I did, when I pick them up from school, my mm -hmm. afternoon is their time. Sometimes you need to do a couple of things, but it's my time with them. The weekends are my time with them. I put phone, my phone away, my laptop away. I don't look at it. Um, and it made me appreciate them more, I guess. Yes. So it, you then understood the value. And I think this happened to a lot of people initially. It was a shock. And then yeah. you then started to really realize this is the priority. This is what life is about. Right. Yeah. And all of what I'm doing is for these guys. So I should get to know them. I should spend time with them. Listen to them. Yeah. Listen. Yes. So it's interesting that so you will build it. And you're not the only one that said it, that they've now built into their schedule. Because I think a lot of moms that are in property can get carried away. Property, I think, is quite intoxicating yes. in a way it is. And all the different ways you can create, you know, wealth or even express yourself within mm -hmm. property. That's property space. I think we sometimes get a bit carried away with it. And the lockdown helped us to understand our priorities. So I say, I always say our two biggest assets. <laughs> so we have the kids, and we have the properties, and we're constantly juggling between the two. But yeah, um, it's great to see that you are tying everything together in a sort of nice little bowl and, you know, creating a good legacy for them in a sense. Absolutely. It's never perfect, is it? It's never perfect. And then mum guild is always there and you've got to do what you've got to do. But I think if at the back of your mind, you, un you remember and understand that, you know, that's m money, nothing else really counts. It's, it's all about these kids because when things tumble down, they're still going to be there for you. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's like invest in people, invest. not, yeah, yeah, not just in things. <laughs> yes, fantastic. So Camilla, thank you so much for your time. Thank you oh. for the sharing and bearing all. And we definitely look forward to hearing more of your successes and all the best for the future. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time and good luck to you too. Thank you.